Julia. Hello. So today we're going to talk about how the New Deal is all around us. Whether we're aware of it or not, there are remnants of the projects that were initiated by the federal government in the 1930s all over the Milwaukee area. These projects were part of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal, his administration's effort to pull the U.S. out of the Great Depression. What do you think? I mean, many of my favorite projects slash uh, institutions came out of this, so let's do it. So maybe I'll hit on some one or two of this. At least one, yes. Okay. So the Great Depression began soon after the stock market crash of October 1929. The overall economy began to collapse, and the country quickly slid into a deep depression. And what I mean by that is industrial output fell by over 45%, and over 300,000 companies went out of business. U.S. GDP fell by 30%. Overall unemployment rose to nearly 25%, with more than 12 million out of work. And for those who didn't lose their jobs, their hours fell by an average of 10 hours a week, and their wages fell by over a third. 11,000 banks across America failed, which wiped out the financial savings of hundreds of thousands of Americans. And to top it all off, hundreds of thousands of families could not pay their mortgages and were evicted from their homes. In Wisconsin, by 1933, the majority of the state's banks had closed, retail sales and tax collections plummeted, and nearly 400,000 residents were on welfare or some other kind of relief. The Great Depression affected nearly every American, from big cities to tiny rural towns. It hit some with financial setbacks and others with financial ruin. When Franklin Delano Roosevelt came into offices in January of 1933, he began passing laws aimed at providing relief, reform, and recovery from the Great Depression. He called his efforts the New Deal. These were a series of public works projects, financial regulations and reforms, labor laws, and government safety net programs aimed at improving the economy, providing relief to the poor and unemployed, creating fair and stable financial markets, improving infrastructure, and and probably most importantly, creating jobs. Within the span of just a few years, and many within just the first 100 days, the Roosevelt administration created around 70 different government agencies to combat the effects of the Great Depression. Each agency was created to attack a specific problem or assist specific groups of people or regions of the country. Some examples of these agencies are the Tennessee Valley Authority, the National Recovery Administration, the Farm Security Administration, and the Federal Housing Administration. Whether by design or by chance, because they were referred to by their alphabetical abbreviations, these New Deal agencies became known as the alphabet agencies. And interestingly, although these agencies were created in the wake of the Great Depression in the early 1930s, a number of them actually still exist today. Some of the more recognizable examples include the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, which protects, you see on every bank door, which protects individual savings accounts, the Federal Communications Commission, or FCC, the National Labor Relations Board, Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, and the Social Security Administration. It can probably be safely said that almost, that almost every American could find something to be happy about in Roosevelt's collection of bills. 
But it can also be safely said that almost every American could find something to complain about in the bills as well. Which is why critics of the administration complained they were being drowned in a bowl of alphabet soup. Whether you agreed with most, some, or none of Roosevelt's New Deal programs, it was clear that Roosevelt was taking the direct and vigorous action that he'd promised in his inaugural speech. The New Deal program significantly increased the role of government in people's daily lives. In particular, the role it had in improving the infrastructure of the country with projects both big and small. Here in Milwaukee, when we talk about the New Deal being all around us, the most visible examples are the physical structures and landscapes that were built by those New Deal programs and agencies. And most of those projects in the Milwaukee area were built by three agencies, the Works Progress Administration, or WPA, the Civil Conservation Corps, or CCC, as well as a handful by the Public Works Administration, or PWA. So let's take a look, let's take a look at each one of those. The Works Progress Administration, or WPA, was sort of the backbone of the New Deal infrastructure projects all across the country. The WPA employed millions of men and women on literally thousands of projects across the country. The goal of the WPA was basically to provide subsistence incomes. At the time, work relief was preferred over direct federal assistance or welfare because it maintained self-respect, reinforced the work ethic, and kept work skills sharp. Wages were set at rates below what local private employers were offering at the time, and workers were encouraged to seek private employment and accept private job offers if they got them. One goal of the WPA was not to be seen as competing with private industry for labor. As the backbone of the New Deal work relief and infrastructure improvement, WPA projects included roads, bridges, schools, libraries, courthouses, hospitals, post offices, museums, swimming pools, parks and park pavilions, hiking trails, community centers, playgrounds, fairgrounds, auditoriums, city halls, zoos, administration buildings, and university dormitories and unions. Whew. In all, the WPA built over 40,000 new buildings and improved another 85,000 all across the U.S. They spent over $11 billion and they employed over 8 million people. It's bonkers. It's, yeah. Putting it in comparison to the, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, Works Progress Administration projects were required to have a local sponsor, usually some sort of local government, who paid for a portion of the cost of the project including the cost to recruit the workers from the ranks of the unemployed and on relief. And then the balance of the project was picked up by the WPA. The second agency was the Civil Conservation Corps, or CCC. This was a voluntary government relief program designed for unemployed and unmarried men between the ages of 18 and 25. They were frequently tapped as a source of unskilled labor that could be thrown at any number of New Deal projects all across the country. These young men were usually housed in camps that were close to the projects that they were assigned to. The camps themselves were almost like temporary army bases with barracks, mess halls, latrines, bathhouses, recreation halls, and classrooms for educational classes held in the evenings. Here in the Milwaukee area, there were CCC camps in Milwaukee, 
Wauwatosa, Glendale, and Hell's Corners. They received just about everything they needed from the CCC, including meals, lodging, clothing, medical, and dental care. And the only thing they had to pay out of pocket was for toiletries, postage, haircuts, and occasional outside entertainment. They were paid about $30 a month, but most of that was required to be sent home to their families. At least $22 had to be sent home. And the third administration was the Public Works Administration, or PWA. The PWA was the agency that was responsible for partnering with private industry to build some of the more large-scale or capital-intensive infrastructure projects. Some of the really big projects that they were responsible for included the Lincoln Tunnel in New York City, the Hoover and Grand Coulee Dams, the Upper Mississippi River Locks and Dams, and the Golden Gate Bridge. Because one of the primary goals of the Roosevelt Administration's New Deal initiatives was to increase employment, the projects with the most bang for the buck were projects that could employ large numbers of unemployed and unskilled men for long periods of time. One of the best ways to do this was through expanding and improving parks all across the country and in Milwaukee County. Now, it seems to me that every time the economy slumps into a recession, politicians start talking about providing stimulus through what they call shovel-ready projects. Unfortunately, at least in my lifetime, I haven't been real impressed with either the pace or the scale in which any of these projects have been implemented over the last several recessions. However, during the Depression of the 1930s, that wasn't the case. Here in Milwaukee, thanks to Charles Whitnell and other early 20th century socialist visionaries, Milwaukee County had a massive shovel-ready parks project that was literally sitting on the shelf when the Depression hit. That was Whitnell's 1923 master park plan that called for creating or improving a number of large signature parks all across Milwaukee County that emphasized wetland protection, stream bank restoration, flood control, and public recreation. His plan then linked those signature parks to smaller and neighborhood parks through 84 miles of parkways. His plan was described as an emerald necklace that stretched around the county. And some of those parkways include the Root River, Menominee, Honey Creek, Kinnikinick, and Oak Creek Parkways that are still with us today. As soon as federal New Deal money was available in November of 1933, Milwaukee County was able to put 4,000 men to work within only two days' notice. And by 1935, there were routinely over 8,000 workers employed by the WPA for park improvements alone. So, Julia, I thought it would be kind of fun to explore at least some of the New Deal projects that were implemented here in the Milwaukee area. So when I started thinking about this project, the subject, I started walking and biking and driving all around Milwaukee County. And I began to be kind of blown away at how much was built during those years and how much of it remains, and maybe more importantly, how much is still in active use today. Yes. So let's start with what, what may have been the biggest individual New Deal park project in Milwaukee, which was Whitnell Park. Okay. The 606 acres of land that would become Whitnell Park had just been purchased by Milwaukee County in 1929 and 1930. However, with the onset of the Depression, the county had no funds to actually turn the land into an actual park. 
Work on the park started first with the CCC and was completed with WPA labor. Under the direction of the U.S. Army, a CCC camp was built on site. The CCC built the roads and bridges, dug the lagoons and lake, built dams, moved tons of earth, platted the 18-hole golf course, and planted thousands of trees and shrubs. When the WPA came on the scene in 1935, they were responsible for creating the Borner Botanical Gardens, and they built the stone buildings that we see today. WPA craftsmen hand-split field stones for the buildings, they carved animals on the wooden beams, they carved stone statues for the park, and even built the furniture. The park was completed was considered completed by 1940, and Milwaukee County officials estimated that the New Deal agencies finished the project at least 15 to 20 years faster than the Milwaukee County could have done it on its own. Up in Brown Deer Park on the far north side, the WPA enlarged the park lagoon and built the boathouse in an English Tudor style using stone and half-timber construction. Down in Bayview, overlooking Lake Michigan, and on land once owned by Milwaukee pioneer Elijah Estes, a new pavilion and bathhouse was built in South Shore Park in 1934. The new pavilion was designed by Ferry and Quas in a Mediterranean revival style with light brown brick walls, limestone accents, round Romanesque windows, copper gutters and downspouts, and a red tile roof. Further south in Grant Park and during the Depression, Grant Park was granted New Deal funding for a variety of projects. Most significantly, money was allocated for improvements and expansion of the Seven Bridges Trail. CCC and WPA workers extended the trail to two miles, built the Bavarian-style carved entrance bridge, and constructed dams, waterfalls, stone staircases, and benches. WPA also built a colonial-style bathhouse in Grant Park next to Lake Michigan. At Curry Park in Wauwatosa, a quarry was opened in 1933 to provide over 25,000 cubic yards of stone for many of the park projects all throughout Milwaukee County. There was significant work done on four parks along the Milwaukee River as well, at Kletch, Lincoln, Estabrook, and Hubbard Parks. At Clutch Park, work began in 1935 with the CCC, which had a camp on site. The CCC did mostly landscape work and also rebuilt the dam across the Milwaukee River. That dam was built to look like a natural waterfall and had a fish ladder built into it and was designed not to widen the river behind it. The CCC also built a new park pavilion in a rustic Swiss chalet architectural style that overlooks the Milwaukee River. The building is constructed of stone and hand-hewn timbers with a slate roof, and it features a large covered picnic area, interior offices, restrooms, and a large community room with a fireplace. Just a bit downstream, one of the largest park projects was in Lincoln Park. You see, the river at Lincoln Park originally had a significant S-curve, which tended to cause ice jams or ice dams and flooding every spring. To eliminate this problem, the WPA employed over 2,000 men to reroute the channel of the river, dig lagoons, and create a number of new islands. They also built a pair of stone-faced reinforced concrete bridges to connect one of the islands to the mainland via the Milwaukee River Parkway that linked Kletch and Lincoln Parks together. Directly downstream from Lincoln Park is Estabrook Park. 
where the CCC removed about 100,000 cubic yards of rock from the bed of the Milwaukee River. The rock was crushed on site and then used for road and dam construction in the park. The dam that the CCC built and completed in 1937 was designed primarily for flood control, and it featured a rock spillway and flood control gates. The Estabrook Dam is no longer with us, because after nearly a decade of heated debate, the dam was removed in 2018. Yeah, it was there for quite a long time. And the arguments back and forth went on forever as well. So another project was the relocation and the restoration of the Kilbourne Town House. It's a one and a half story Greek revival house that features four fluted Doric columns. The house was originally built by Benjamin Church for his family in 1844. It was originally built at the corner of Bell Phillips and Court Street in the heart of what was once Kilbourne Town. By the time of the Depression, the house had fallen into disrepair and into the hands of the city of Milwaukee due to tax delinquency. In 1936, the house was examined by the New Deal Historic American Buildings Survey, and it was determined that the house was of historical significance and it should be saved. That's my favorite. That house? No, the Historic American Buildings Survey. Oh, do it's, tell. Um, so it, well... It employed mostly out-of-work architects to document buildings, and they didn't just draw like floor plans or facades, but they took, um, you can uh, take uh, trim decals with comb, a trim comb, so that, anyway, if you go onto the Library of Congress website, you can look at the original drawings that they did in the 1930s, and a lot of them are really kind of elegant and sort of like art pieces, because these super bored architects are like, great, I can draw this building. Um, but today, HABS is actually under the purview of the National Park Service. Um, and there's a Historic American Engineering Record and a Historic American Landscape Survey. So HABS sort of spawned other types of, so like the engineering record has um, ships, uh, other kind of industrial, a car, many cars now, but like that was one of the things they added was like, huh. this car. Um, so they kind of document sites and objects of significance as well. So the original survey was kind of a catalog of anything and everything they consider historically significant? Well, they really sort of specifically started with uh, colonial buildings. So one of the first couple, you know, they did like the U.S. Capitol or um, they did Mount Vernon. So a lot of kind of those sorts of documentation projects. And then as they went city to city, they just looked for the oldest things that they could find. Um, and then- Which is appropriate because the ben Benjamin Church House is one of the oldest houses in the entire area. Yeah, and then they did some, they do more of it now, but there's really specific photography documentation. So there's a lot of that that you see, and they exist and do projects all over. Um, you know, you may see them do a work in national parks. Perhaps was doing a huge project at Ellis Island before mm. the pandemic. Um, they kind of, they're like the go-to documentation people in terms of like drawing what's in place, measured drawings and all that kind of stuff. Huh, that's super cool. Yeah, it's really fun. And so in 1938, WPA carpenters and craftsmen moved the house in essentially three separate sections and restored it at its present location in Esterbrook Park. It's been a museum since 1939, 
and you can still see and visit the house today. It's open June through September on Sundays. Now, just downstream from Esterbrook is Hubbard Park in Shorewood. Hubbard Park, which in previous decades had been a resort and a series of amusement parks, received a number of New Deal era park improvements. In 1936, the WPA constructed the warming house that is located along the river. They built the Shorewood Community Room, now called the Shorewood River Club. And just to the north, they built the Scout Craft Cabin for both Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And we now call that building the Hubbard Park Lodge. And incidentally, the brick used for all three of these buildings was salvaged from the recently demolished armory that once stood at Oakland and Capitol. And again, all three of these buildings are still in use today. WPA workers also graded and terraced the park. They created walking paths. And if I'm not mistaken, they built the pedestrian tunnel that gives visitors access to the park buildings from the parking lot. In other areas of the county, playgrounds were built at Pulaski and Burbank parks. There are a number of parks that New Deal programs provided new swimming facilities. So Doctors Park received a new bathhouse. Hoyt and McGovern Parks received swimming pools. And Carver and Kosciuszko Parks received both bathhouses and swimming pools. A number of new parks were built during the Depression, including Indaris Park on Milwaukee's north side. That park was built using those pre-existing park plans that we talked about earlier. And other smaller neighborhood parks were created on real estate that had become tax delinquent. And in general, I guess it's safe to say that nearly every park in Milwaukee received some sort of improvement through New Deal programs during the Depression. Even the Washington Park Zoo got a new elephant house and a new hippo tank built. Although parks were probably the biggest New Deal projects that employed the most people here in Milwaukee, there were a number of other types of New Deal projects implemented throughout the county. There were a number of schools built using New Deal funds. Uh, the Carleton School on the northwest side had an addition built. Uh, over in River West, where Burleigh Street ends at the west bank of the Milwaukee River, uh, the Gensland School was built at that time. On the other side of the river, Riverside High School received a three-story addition in 1941. Um, using a combination of bonds and WPA funds, Shorewood High School had a 1,300-seat auditorium built which was inspired by Radio City Music Hall in New York City. And in 1937, Wauwatosa East received an Art Deco edition as well. A number of post offices were built in the area as well. These were funded by the Treasury Department and built using WPA labor. The West Allis Post Office at 74th and Greenfield was built in 1940. Uh, the post office on Martin Luther King Drive was built at about the same time. And the Shorewood Post Office was built in 1937. And all three of these post offices are still in use today. And I haven't been inside the other two, but the inside of the Shorewood Post Office is like, it's like original. It's I've never all, been inside. Oh, yeah. It has all of its like 30s Art Deco. Art details, Deco yep. Like the in and outdoor and the little windows. And it's beautiful. It's very tiny, but it's beautiful. <laughs> So there were also a number of municipal buildings that were constructed by the WPA during the Depression. In Shorewood, the Department of Public Works buildings uh, was built in 1936 using WPA resources. The building is done in a neo-Gothic or even high Victorian Gothic style and features multicolored brick, turrets, battlements, parapets, and carved stone decorations. 
it's really quite an impressive architectural considering its purpose and its out-of-the-way location. Also in Shorewood, the Village Hall was extensively remodeled in 1937. Uh, up in River Hills, they had their Village Hall built as a New Deal project. Uh, on the north side, the town of Granville built a town hall to house its town offices, auditorium, and a fire department. The WPA, WPA started construction in 1941, and it was completed in 1942. After Granville was annexed into Milwaukee, the building saw service as a fire station, a public works facility, a senior center, and finally a firefighters union hall. And unfortunately, the building was torn down in 2018 in order to make way for a new Milwaukee Public Library branch at 76th and Good Hope. The Town of Lake also had their municipal building constructed as a WPA project in 1940. Theirs was a combination town hall, community center, library, and get this, water tower. Yeah, kind of an odd, and, uh, and water tower. Yeah, so the building is a nine-story reinforced concrete building done in an attractive Art Deco style of the day. The building actually surrounds the superstructure that supports the water tower that's at the very top. It's located at the intersection of Howard Avenue and South 6th Street and is probably one of the most distinctive landmarks that can be seen for miles all around Milwaukee's south side. Today, it's owned and used by the city of Milwaukee for its nuisance, environmental health and residential code enforcement offices, but the water tower is no longer functional. But when they're open for doors open, which they often are, you can go up and in the tower. Oh, you can go up yep, inside? And look at the infrastructure. Oh, that's cool. Tower. It's very cool. Yeah. I will have to do that next time. Yeah. Um, I guess I should also mention the, the, the WPA had programs designed specifically for artists under its federal art project. Um, just like you talked about earlier with the architects, yep. this is for artists. The WPA hired hundreds of artists to produce well over 100,000 paintings, murals, and sculptures all across the country. And here in Milwaukee, we've got a number of these art projects that do still exist. At City Hall, there's a colorful rend rendering of the City of Milwaukee seal that was designed by Carl Ryman and executed in stained glass by WPA artist Adolf Carl. The stained glass window was restored in 1978 and it still hangs in the third floor common council chambers today. During the Depression, the Milwaukee Public Library and Public Museum were both housed in what is today the Central Library. Uh, during the Depression, a number of murals were painted by the WPA artists for the museum. However, I don't believe any of those still exist. But what does still exist is the tile mosaic floor that WPA artists created in 1938 for the museum's Chinese room exhibit. The room was used to display the museum's collection of Chinese decorative arts. And today, if you go to the far, far back of the media room at Central Library, you can still see that room with the Chinese motif mosaic floor and the original display cases used to display the Chinese art objects. Uh, the Miller Highlight Theater, originally the Milwaukee Auditorium, is home to eight murals done by Swedish-born artist Thorsten Lindbergh. Uh, the WPA selected Lindbergh to design and paint a series of historical murals to immortalize a number of early Milwaukeeans. Subjects include Solomon Juno, uh, Josette Vieux, uh, Juno's wife, uh, Byron Kilborn, uh, George Walker, 
uh, Enoch Chase and Elijah Estes, and Christopher Latham Schultz, the inventor of the typewriter. Uh, two other murals depict Milwaukee's industries and Wisconsin agriculture. The West Allis Post Office has two large WPA murals that were painted by the artist Francis Foy, and they were installed in 1943. The title of the works are Wisconsin Wildflowers Spring and Wisconsin Wildflowers Autumn. The Wauwatosa East High School edition that we mentioned has two 14 by 4 foot murals painted by Layton School of the Arts instructor Myra Nutting under the WPA Arts Program. And once again in Shorewood, the main hall of the school administration building houses a 10 panel mural painted by Carl Van Treek. The mural is entitled On Wisconsin and it portrays the early history of Wisconsin with scenes of Native Americans, the arrival of settlers, and the early trades and industries that built the state. Another group of New Deal projects are the ones carried out by the Progress Works Administration, or PWA. We only had a few of these large and capital intense projects here in Milwaukee. The first is the Cherry Street Bascule Bridge that crosses the Milwaukee River just north of downtown and close to what was once the Schlitz Brewery Complex. Uh, the 214-foot bridge was built in 1940 using PWA funds and features striking stainless steel and glass block control towers done in a modern architectural style. Another PWA project was the Park Lawn Housing Development. In 1935, the New Deal administrators came up with a plan for this $2.8 million project for Milwaukee's northwest side. The 42-acre site was located along Sherman Boulevard between Hampton and Capitol Drive. The project was designed by the Allied Architects of Milwaukee. The project consisted of 518 single-story housing units constructed of brick and tile with uniform blue doors and red roofs. Interestingly, the housing structures at Park Lawn took up only 20% of the total space. 80% of the real estate was dedicated to parkland, playgrounds, sports facilities, and a community building that housed a staffed social center and a home nurse and child care clinic supervised by the city health department. Park Lawn helped to reduce an ongoing shortage of low-income housing in Milwaukee. It, all, it allowed 2,000 men, women, and children to live in what was described as a park-like setting at affordable rent. The federal government ran the facility until 1950 when it was turned over to the Milwaukee Housing Authority. Using PWA resources, the Jones Island Wastewater Treatment Facility was improved and expanded in 1934, and in 1933, the largest PWA project in Wisconsin was started along the north shore of Lake Michigan. That was the Linwood Avenue Water Purification Plant. Milwaukee had been drawing its drinking water from Lake Michigan ever since the first municipal waterworks went online in 1873. However, for nearly 60 years, Milwaukee was continually struggling to draw clean, uncontaminated water from the lake into its waterworks. The problem was that the city was using the lake as both its source of fresh water and its dumping ground for wastewater. No matter how far out into the lake they drew the water, the pollution would always catch up, and Milwaukeeans suffered from frequent outbreaks of intestinal flu and worse. The project took five years $5 million and nearly 2,000 skilled workers to complete. And in 1939, the massive plant designed in Mediterranean Revival style with hints of Art Deco was up and running. 
and today the plant is still in operation after more than 80 years of continual service. And the last new deal project I'd like to briefly touch on is the village of Greendale. Yes, the entire village of Greendale was a new deal project. As a whole, this single project was probably bigger than any other in the entire Milwaukee area. You could argue that it was not just a federal New Deal project, but a social experiment as well. Yes, it was implemented to provide construction jobs and help alleviate the housing shortage, but it would also act as a real-life social experiment to create a new American way of life. The village was planned by the Federal Resettlement Administration, or RA, to merge the best of both rural and urban living. It was thought that a well-planned community with plenty of green space, both in and around the village, would provide a better quality of life that moderate and even lower income families could afford. Absolutely everything in the village was planned out by federal architects, landscape architects, and urban designers. The goal of the planners was for Greendale to provide a quality of life that by far would exceed what was normally available to the working class. Construction began in 1936, and by 1938, the first hand-picked residents began to move in. And today, you can still see many of the New Deal buildings that were built at that time. There are still lots of Greendale original houses all over the original section. Uh, what was once the original police and fire station, uh, the public works building, the original middle school, and what was uh, the original post office, and of course, Greendale Village Hall. And they do a lovely town tour. Like, they, you can go, like, they do a tour every year of, like, come see Greendale. Yeah, it's a great little town. And, in yeah. fact, that, that main drag along Broad Street was loosely based on Colonial Williamsburg, which was also a planned community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think the phrase, the New Deal is all around us, is pretty accurate, Julia. Oh, definitely. And what we talked about today isn't even close to a complete catalog of New Deal buildings and projects that were done in the Milwaukee area. These were just some of the highlights that I thought people might recognize but may not realize that they were part of FDR's effort to pull the country out of the Depression. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. I mean, this is, it's not even an exhaustive list that you've given. One thing I have heard, because you know, people are like, oh, it was so great, so effective for cities. I have heard a couple of people float the idea of doing kind of like Teach for America, but like a modern version of the CCC to not only get park and infrastructure projects completed, because obviously we have infrastructure shortcomings in lots of parts of our communities today, um, but also as a way to sort of help people meet young people, especially meet people who are so different from them and live in a different part of the country than they do. Um, to try and like better build relationships among younger citizens, which I think is kind of an interesting concept. Which is, I mean, I I think I've seen documentaries that that they talk to people who are in the CCC, and that's one of the things that they mention is that how it brought people of different backgrounds, rural, urban, north, south, north, south, east, west, yeah. together, and then they never would have met each other unless perhaps you know, similar to buddies in World War II. Yeah, I was say, military service. And the, there's a guy in um, Missouri who is a veteran who's like, this would be a great project or like a great program to have people do because it kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. You're giving back to communities. 
um, meeting people who are different from you, kind of all these things. Well, and anytime you read an article about county parks, the, yeah. it's always followed up by, you know, lack of resources. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's our story for today, Julia.